This is Edge of the Box, a podcast brought to you by whoscored.com. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined as ever by Jonathan Wilson and Who Scored's very own sharp haircut, Martin Lawrence. How are we both, Jonathan? You okay? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thank you very much, Jonathan. You've recovered Martin? from the uh, from the old oh, COVID? Oh, I tell you what, very tired. Thank you for yeah. asking. Very, very tired all the time. Seven o'clock at night, I'm done. Got nothing left in me at all. <laughs> I, I'm 45, I'm like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a nice insight into my future, to be perfectly honest. Martin, looking sharp. Thank you. That's, yeah, a, that's a very rare compliment. I, I knew you'd mention it, but I oh, didn't sure. think it would be in complimentary terms. I like the Look, fact that you've come with your own subtitles today, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got your own name on there as well. That's that's nice. an unfortunate coincidence with that. I didn't I didn't purchase this. It was purchased for me for Christmas. So it's, it's not my own choice, but I'm wearing it and I like it and I'm happy. Hopefully you'll be sharp in the podcast as well. Let's get straight into it then. Tottenham v Arsenal. Is it the biggest game of the weekend? There's a lot of big games this weekend, Jonathan, but hard to call this one. When I was doing my predictions, I, I struggled with this one to call. I guess you still have to say that City-Chelsea is the, the biggest game, but this sort of feels like the most intriguing and possibly the most consequential. I mean, I, I guess you could say Watford's game is also pretty consequential, but um, I, yeah, I think that battle for fourth is now possibly the most interesting we've got left this season. Uh, that you, the fact you have Tottenham, Arsenal, Manchester United, maybe West Ham as well, all of whom are flawed, and all of whom I, I mean, maybe West Ham wouldn't expect to be top four, but given how they started the season, uh, you know, I, I think they would definitely see that as a as a as a possibility. So yeah, two teams who I'm, I'm still not quite sure how to take them. That Spurs have been very hit and miss. The league form's actually been pretty good in the Conte, undefeated in seven. I think we've seen in the Cups how limited that squad is, which I guess from Conte's point of view is the ideal thing because it means that they're making progress, but he also can put pressure on the board to say, look, we, we need more. And Arsenal, who I'm still, yeah, they, they keep on going on these good runs. So everybody gets very excited, but they never really beat anybody on the runs. They just beat kind of teams you expect them to beat, which is a skill in itself. And then, yeah, they had the City game where they played really well, but... I mean, I don't even think they got the the, the, the rough end of, of refereeing decisions, but there's a couple of refereeing decisions they went against them. Um, I think and, it was a and, bit of an implosion. And they, mm. yeah, they, they 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 sort of they 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 did that classic Arsenal thing of not quite being tough enough to um, to, to to see through that and didn't even get the draw in the end. You know, they mm. they, they conceded a soft, scrappy goal late on. So, I, you know, I, I still think the the, the sort of the while it's possible to see a pattern of play there and while they are playing better, the, you know, some of the old weaknesses still remain. Yeah, this is, of course, the William Gallas derby this weekend. Martin, Harry Kane is back in the goals. Tottenham are the favourites with Bet Victor, I think, to, to get fourth again, probably because of, of Conte, let's be perfectly honest. Where's Kane sitting in the form rankings now with his recent purple patch? Um, he's up to ninth. So he's broken the top 10, which is obviously something he was nowhere near before that. I mean, he must have been um, about 900th before then. Yeah. Be a big climb. For what, for what it's worth, it, it, since Conte's come in, he's just it's getting closer to the goal as much as it... Didn't seem that way in the games against Chelsea, certainly not the first leg. He's had 25 shots since the start of December. Uh, only Salah's had more in that time. Before December, he'd also had 25 shots, but in twice as many games. And he ranked 
28th alongside Josh King and Damari Gray. So just picking up goal scoring positions again. Uh, and looks like he cares a bit more, to be fair. Uh, I'm not sure he's still still not 100% there with that. But yeah, he does does look more interested. So yeah, he's ninth. Uh, Roman C is 10th for what it's worth, obviously up at AFCON now. Eighth is Lacazette, who's obviously playing in this game as well. Set up to seventh, Jareth, Jared, Jareth, Jared Bowen. Jareth. Is that the name of uh, David Bowie's character in Labyrinth? Anyway, great film, by the way, if you haven't watched that. Um, yeah, Jared Bowen up to seventh, uh, two goals in midweek. He's now had a direct hand in the most goals of any Englishman in the Premier League. Calls for him to get a call up uh, for England mounting. Uh, Ward Prowse sixth, uh, Saka fifth, another player in this game, obviously. Madison fourth, Martinelli third, Son is second, but obviously a big miss for this game. And Raheem Sterling still top. Sonny yeah. second. Well, before he picked up the injury, him and him and Kane were finally looking to be clicking again. Um, I think he's been a bit quiet, but that's just just the eye test. Who's not recently. More than <laughs> not recently. You should check uh, who scored com. It's a really good website. Good, um, good website. We were talking about yeah. that before we came up. Yeah, it's a yeah, good website. Rate, rate it higher. Rate <laughs> it higher. Jonathan, I don't know how much of Spurs you've seen under contact, but what is it that he's changed? Uh, well, I mean, the, the very obvious difference is that, that his his style of football is to press. Uh, so he's gone back to what Pochettino was doing, which they weren't doing under Mourinho or under Nuno. Um, I think there's been a, a lot of frustration, I think, among Spurs backroom staff that under Pochettino, they were, if not the fittest squad in the Premier League, certainly among the two or three fittest squads. And because of the way Mourinho and Nuno play, that that sort of advantage they they got for themselves was, was squandered. And, and Conte's trying to get that back. There's obviously huge problems trying to do that in the middle of a season um, that it can lead to to players being overloaded and, and getting injured. But you, you you see, I mean, it, it sounds almost facile, but just having an angry Italian man shouting at them does seem to have made a difference. There's much more focus there. Yeah, Martin made the point that the Kane looks re-energised. And I, I, I think that is, I mean, partly it's, I think it's probably an acceptance that he's not going to go to City, but it's also... You know, Conte is a much more charismatic, much more engaging figure than Nuno. Um, that you know, Nuno, in his early years at Wolves, did a great job in a very sort of quiet, restrained way. But when you've got a squad that's sinking, that probably isn't what you need. What you need is somebody to come in and rattle rattle people. And Conte is very good at that. In fact, I, 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 I think there's an argument that Conte is the best manager of less than great players in the world. That he can get a tune out of pretty average players in a way that I don't think Guardiola would be able to, for instance. I mean, you can, you can maybe make the case for Klopp, but he, he hasn't been in the circumstances of having weaker players for, for, for quite a while. So, yeah, I think it's largely Conte's personality, but also the organisational work he does. And there is a, a structure and a dynamism there. And I, I think you can almost see some players beginning to remember what it was that made football fun and, and, and made them successful under Pochettino. I think you've raised two good points there. The first one is that oh, Italian... You. Uh, no, you, are, you, are, you often do, Jonathan, you often do. The first one is that Italian people shouting at you is scary because my family's all Italian and it can be scary when they shout at you. Second one, Harry Winks is a perfect example. Every time I've watched Spurs recently, Harry Winks looks full of beans. It just looks completely different to the Harry Winks that I've seen play for Tottenham before. Yeah, I mean, he, he was obviously something Mourinho didn't 
didn't fancy and it looked like he was drifting. I think he probably is a player who, I, mean, I guess you'd say Kane, but uh, there are other issues there. But, but, but Winks is the one who's really looks back to Pochettino form. It hasn't worked for some players. I don't I mean, Deli Alley, Liverpool game, he played okay. But yeah, I think the talk is that, that Spurs are trying to offload him in January. The Conte doesn't really fancy him. And Dombele's, yeah, hasn't worked at all at Spurs for, for all we've seen little flashes and flickers of, of, of ability. Um, I think Davinson Sanchez has looked, uh, suddenly looks a good player again uh, under Conte. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think there's been a general uplift, but but yeah, Winks and Sanchez probably the you know, the, the 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 big two. Arsenal, mm-hmm. bit of a weird situation going on in the midfield at the moment. We'll gloss over the, the FA Cup knockout, which I did actually call on another podcast that, that I did. I fancied Forrest to, to do a job on Arsenal at a time when they've got no central midfielders. It seems. Mm. They've decided to let Maitland Niles go, which I don't really understand. But they are short in midfield at the moment, aren't they? Seems like an oversight uh, because they knew this was coming. They knew Party and El Nene were going to the African Cup of Nations. So you're then obviously hoping that the club don't have injuries, which they do. Um, but that's a risk. Uh, so you're, you're now relying on someone like Sambi Lukonga to be a senior presence in that midfield, which he just isn't. Uh, he's played well in moments, but he's to me, he still does look like a player who's not really ready uh, for this level, not not to Arsenal standards, at least. Um, so, yeah, you'd have thought a little bit of foresight, even if it was getting something lined up ready for the very start of January. I know they're linked with a couple of players. They're linked with Artur um, from Juventus. That hasn't worked out at all at Juventus or Barcelona, really. Uh, and Bruno Gamarish, which would be a really, really interesting one from Leon. He's a very, very good player, but that'll be a that that one will take time. I think the one with Arta uh, is probably something that they can get sorted quite quickly, and they might need to uh, with Party and El Nene potentially. Although we're saying both both players lost their opening game at Afcon, so Arsenal fans will be hoping that at least one of them crashes out uh, in the group stages. Afcon's been. A riot so far. Tunisia game was was fun, but um, but yeah, that's off topic. So yeah, that, I feel like they should have seen this coming, uh, and I feel like that's possibly the decisive factor heading into this game. That's why I'd make Tottenham the favourites for this game. And when we were discussing who's going to make the top four, it's why I'd make them favourites again, just around this game as much as anything. Because if Tottenham do win, they go above Arsenal with two games in hand, uh, and pretty decent games in hand. I know one of them's against Burnley. Um, so yeah, I, I do feel like Tottenham are the value in that market, and they've come to life and just just Conte stopped them from looking a mess as much as anything. And they were a mess. They don't look great. I still don't think they look great, and the players aren't of the quality that Conte clearly wants uh, uh, and needs. But they suddenly look like a team that's better than the weaker opposition that they were playing, and they didn't before. They were they were only having about 10 shots per game under Nuno and conceding 14, so they were conceding considerably more than they were taking under Nuno, and that's literally flipped. So they're averaging 14 under Conte and only conceding 10. So to have fixed that in that short space of time kept a fair amount of clean sheets as well. Yeah, I think his, his work's maybe gone a bit underrated, maybe with the results in other competitions clouding what he's done in the Premier League so far. Jonathan, how would you see a combined eleven going? Well, it's, it's really hard because there's no, there's hardly any players. So <laughs> never a good start uh, for a combined. For what, for what it's worth, we did it. We did. We ignored because of that fact. We did ignore 
Um, You've got to pass it on. You've got to tell Jonathan the information. I should, I, I should have. I should have. Yeah. So I started out with a uh, a four two three one that was very Arsenal heavy. And then I took out all the injured players and realised you've got to play a back three. So this is, and even this, I've got Tommy Asu in who I know is a doubt. Uh, I've left Smith Rowe out because he's a doubt. But I think all these players are still available. <laughs> um, Ramsdale in goal, although the choice of goalkeepers is difficult because I, I, I mean Luis has had his moments, but I, I still think he's fundamentally a good keeper. Uh, Sanchez, White, and Davis are the back three. Davis has been good under Conte as well. Because there's, there's literally nobody else. Um, uh, Tommy Asu, right wing back. Can he play wing back? I don't know. I've not played. <laughs> no. If, I think he's more the right side of centre back. If but that was in a who scored 11, we'd be kicking off. But, but who else can you play? I'm not playing, I'm not playing um, Emerson Royale. Can it, can it cross the thing? I saw, I I saw him. Emerson Royale, I criticised him. I can't remember if he was on this podcast or another one. And Spurs fans came for me. I think he's awful. Oh. I think well, he's been quite good recently, personally. Well, Since I Conte saw took at, charge, I think I saw him at Watford, decent. and he was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> yeah, like, he, mu- he must have he must have miscued fifty crosses in that game. And Conte, Conte said after me, he didn't name him, but he said, uh, you know, uh, uh, in in games against opposition who play narrow, our, our delivery's got to be better. Well, there's only two players he's talking about there, <laughs> yeah. and what the one everybody was thought he meant was Emerson Royale. So you I must mean, have some agents, some yeah, honestly one of the best agents in the business. Do, do you bring in <laughs> do you bring in Matt Doherty to play right wing back on the grounds that he used to be good about five years ago? I mean Um and then Tierney left wing back. Is he fit? I don't know. I mean he's a doubt as well. <laughs> he came on at the weekend against Forest. He came on, but he didn't start. I mean, I suppose against Forest maybe he wouldn't Rotation. start. Uh and then you gotta because Arsenal's midfield doesn't exist anymore, you've got to have Foy Bear and Winks. There's no there's nobody else. A skip, maybe, but Highbone Winks. And then um, Saka on the right, Odegaard on the left. Don't really like that. Prefer him central. But again, there isn't anybody else. And Kane up front. What's it's a terrible team. It's a terrible team. <laughs> that's your, what can I do? That's your worst 11, Jonathan. You're worst down, one by far. I'm down to the bare bones. He yeah. stuck to the usual rules, to be fair. Where you I have. Where you, you, could play, you could play a two up top, I guess. Lacazette and Kane. Don't like Lacazette. Oh, okay, well, you couldn't have done that. <laughs> I could have done it. I don't <laughs> I like Lacazette. I hate myself for the illegal team. The illegal team that where nobody's actually available. We've got it in a four-two-three-one. Ramsdale in goal. Uh, I'm going to start. This will go down superbly. Emerson Royale is the right back. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, Goodbye. Just his defensive stats are, are really, really strong. Like Jonathan said, I agree. His his crossing's been woeful. Um, but defensively, he gets stuck in. Uh, he's the right back. Ben White and Davinson Sanchez. I'm glad uh, Jonathan mentioned Dav- Davinson Sanchez's upturn in form. Uh, Tottenham have actually kept seven clean sheets in the 10 games that he started in the Premier League this season. They've only kept one in the eight games that he's not started. Uh, and I still I still have question marks over him. I think still, if you put a ball over his head, he thinks he's back in Colombia. But in a back three that that's a bit sits a bit deeper, he looks... Good again, strong, quick. Uh, he's decent on the ball. Uh, Region is the left back over Tierney in our side. Uh, Hoiberg and Party in midfield. Obviously, Party's not there. Jade. Then we've got a three, a three of Lucas Mora, Smith Rowe, and Martinelli behind Son up front. So, so you just said Son wasn't playing. What? He isn't playing. Where is he? But uh, is he injured or what? suspended? I don't know. Yeah, I don't injured, know what's wrong yeah. with him. He's, he's injured. injured yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I mean, Jonathan's cobbled together a side there, <laughs> but at least it's a regulation side. I could have picked Mura and Martinelli, to be fair, but rather than trying to fit Odegaard in wise, I, I like I Odegaard think, as a player. Hmm. I was thinking they might be able to, should they drop him back and just try and control position a little bit I more? I think that that's what they might try and do, but they did try that against Man City and it didn't work at all. Um, that is Man City, though. Yeah, I know, but with no party there alongside him, I would not fancy that at all. Um, but it might be what they have to do because they don't have any options. I mean, I feel all over the place. Where's Xhaka? What's going on? I've, I've lost my mind. What's going... Where's Xhaka? Xhaka? I can't remember if Xhaka's fit or not. No, Xhaka's, Xhaka's out. Um, yeah, I thought. I mean, so. he probably he probably wouldn't have made it either team anyway, even if he was fully <laughs> fit firing on all cylinders. But yeah, okay. Predictions, Jonathan. One-one. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Just you see so many players Arsenal have out, and I'm starting to slightly rethink that, but. Spurs have got players out as well, and I think Son is a big loss for them. So I think they've become very reliant on, on Lucas Mirror for creativity. So 1 1. I've gone 1 1 as well. I think this game could be rubbish. It's got, it could really not be a good game, this one. So I've gone 1 1 as well. Who scored? Differential 2 1. Come on, Spurs. Although we are obviously completely impartial, but come on, Spurs 2 1 time. Well, when you predict a team to win, you want that team to win. There's nothing impartial about that, is there at all? Just for the leaderboard, though. Not that that I I care who wins in general. I mean, you've already shown you're not impartial by putting Emerson Royale in your turn to be personal. (laughs) (laughs) I would would say. (laughs) Let's let's stay with this game and catch up with Sam Boswell from Bet Victor. Sam, live from the airport, our Bet Victor representative, going to give us some Bet Victor insight. We're going to talk about the North London derby first, Sam. How how did Bet Victor see it? Yeah, it's, 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 you know, there's a lot of good games this weekend, but this is the one I think most people are getting excited about. Seven to five Spurs to get the win at home. Uh, Arsenal, they're going to be 15 to eight to take the spoils back across London. Nine to four, the draw, which I think will be a popular runner here. Um, interesting, I, I must say, I watched Spurs against Chelsea. Appreciate it's a bit of a change team out. I, I've got my concerns. I don't think I'd be too keen on the on the home price. Uh, match to end one one draws been boosted to thirteen to two. Lacazette two or more goals. If you think he's going to put on a show for Arsenal, has been enhanced to nineteen to one. Harry Kane, obviously a man who knows how to score goals, and especially in this fixture to score first. Spurs to win two one. It's been enhanced to thirty five to one from twenty eight to one. But plenty of different markets on site around this game and. I think we should get a humdinger. You know, if you're on the bet builders, let's be honest, this is a game you're going to be looking at goals and cards, I'd say, Dan. Yeah, tough one to call this. This was the prediction that I struggled with the most this week to call which way it's going to go. How are we looking for top four finishes for Tottenham and Arsenal? Who's the favourites out of the two? Yeah, we've got it pretty tight, actually. We've got uh, Spurs in there at two to one. I think Conte coming in has given uh, traders a, a little bit more thought that they're going to probably just get ahead of Arsenal, who are nine to four for a top four finish. Uh, just run through through the others. Obviously, Chelsea and Liverpool, incredibly short. We don't need to talk about them. But Man United, who've obviously been a big talking point in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Ralph Rangrick's men are seven to four to finish in the top four. And if you think West Ham are going to keep up this fantastic form under David Boys, and they have been really impressive and fair play for a small squad, they're absolutely flying. They're nine to two to upset the apple cart and end up in there with the supposed big boys. And I'd quite like to see that, to be perfectly honest with you, Dan. Interesting, going to be interesting to see which way it goes, because I do think it'll actually be one of those two that ends up finishing top four. I wish you well, wherever you go in. I've got no idea where it is you're going, but that window, I tell you what, Josh would love that window. Where I'm, 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 I'm heading home just in time for what you would call the motorway derby, Dan. But it's yes, actually the, the most important derby of the weekend. Come on, the Palace. And it's definitely not the most important game. We all know the Villa Park game is the most important one. But safe travel, Sam, and I'll speak to you next week. 
See you later, guys. And as ever, encourage everyone to continue to gamble responsibly and enjoy some great action over the weekend. Now on to the biggest game of the weekend, the revenge mission, Aston Villa against Manchester United. Jonathan, Aston Villa dominating the January transfer window. Just before we've come on, Luca Dean has rocked up at Bodymore Heath, the Villa training ground. He's now an Aston Villa player. Are you impressed with how Villa are operating? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're cosplaying being Everton about two years ago, I think this is a you know, <laughs> remarkable signing. I, I don't know. Luca Dean's one of those players who's, I think, better in theory than he is in practice. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't have signed him, but, you know, it's not my decision, is it? Uh, I, I think you can get better. I think there's better left-backs out there who are uh, younger and cheaper. Um <laughs> well, uh, I, I would, I'm, Aaron Hickey, yeah, yeah, but he's not bad, uh, I think. Lyndon Gooch is having a very good season playing at left. <laughs> that tells me that you don't like Lyndon Gooch and you're trying to shift him. No, he's, <laughs> you're he's, saying he's, he's better he's, than he is. You're doing a Martin by him some oil. He's had a really good season. Uh, I had a genuine thought ahead of this uh, around the Coutinho signing, and I know I'm skipping ahead of time. But obviously, a lot of Villa fans are really excited about Coutinho, and I think that's fair. Obviously, he's not not the player he was when he left Liverpool. But my main thought was, who was the last player that you were excited about, Jonathan, that Sunderland signed? I just don't know if you get excited like like I did. Like I was a bit giddy yesterday watching like Coutinho videos. Is it? Oh yeah, it's nice. Nice to say on the yeah. socials. Um, good, good engagement. <laughs> well, no, I, I was fascinated to see that you know when we signed uh, Leon Diaku. Um, this season, twenty-year-old from Union Berlin, uh-huh. uh, and it's slow start, but he's 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 looked really good recently. And and I think right. his his absence the last two games might explain our pitiful results against Wickham and Lincoln. Um, he must I have been know. buzzing when Titus Bramble came. Honestly, he <laughs> must he must have been loving love. I mean, well rated at Ipswich. Well rated. Quite the word I'd have used. <laughs> uh, I, but something that's just got a habit of of signing kind of. Players who, I mean, we were such a, you know, for a long time we were kind of uh, just Manchester United castoffs. <laughs> you know, Adnan Yanazai, crap. Um, that, that, what was that kid? Terry Cook, hopeless. Um, John O'Shea, though. John O'Shea and Wes Brown had, were okay. Wes Brown was always injured. Uh, John O'Shea was solid enough, but, you know, was, the, the great years had gone. Yeah. Um, Barbara's made, by the way. So, who, I think the last player I was genuinely excited by Sunderland signing was Kevin Phillips. Really? Well, I had, I had, a, I had a mate who was a, a, a massive Watford fan who was just like, oh, fuck, he kind of signed 30 goals a season. I was like, really? Anyway, yeah, really. He's he's great. And it turned out he was right. Well, a long time ago, so I've not been excited. Never mind Sunderland. That's kind of what I was expecting. I think, was that I'm 1998 when, when Sunderland signed Phillips? Yeah, or 90, 97. 97. 97. 97. Oh, I was going to say, never mind Sunderland until I die. Sunderland, wish I would die if you haven't been in Sunderland. <laughs> I just, I just think exc- excitement's a really dangerous emotion. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, you can only, set yourself, like, you look, can look, only look. set yourself up for a fall. I, 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 and, you know, Coutinho, I, I, I get why Villa fans are excited. I get why Everton fans are excited at signing Hammers. Um, they are clearly players who have been great. And, and if they can produce that, that's that's that is really exciting. Um, he's the same age as Salah. It's not like he's finished. There's a week. No, no, but but, but like there's 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 actual age and there's footballing age. So right, mm-hmm. where yeah. uh, Coutinho's 
for various reasons has, has not produced for four or five years. And you, you, you thought, and it, yeah, let's be honest, if he had produced in the last four or five years, he wouldn't be joining Villa. Yeah, that's very true. Now, I, I sort of, I think that probably makes him overpriced. I think he's a big risk. I think getting him on loan is, you know, is the right thing to do because it means you can have a look at him for six months and maybe he's going to be brilliant. Maybe he fits in and everybody loves him and it's it's great. And And I think to an extent, if you're a mid-table Premier League team, and uh, you know where you're realistically not going to get relegated, but you know, getting into the Europa League is is probably the, the limit of your ambitions. Then it, it's great to have something to dream about. I just would have a certain amount of caution, and I'd uh, I'd worry what Emi Buendia thinks about this. I think they'll both play together then, too, behind Watkins. I think and yeah, Watkins will rotate. Yeah. I think, think Buendia has picked up a little bit in Definitely. recent weeks because I'm a top top journalist. I know the details of the deal. Mm. So, so Villa have got him on loan. Like you said, there's no obligation to buy him at all. Mm. £33 million if he does well is a decent price, I would say, and they're paying under half of his wages. I'd say it's pretty low risk for Villa, Martin. Yeah, I think they've got as good a deal as, as I think they could get out of it. Uh, Barcelona are obviously desperate as well, let's face it. Yeah, I don't know if it's true, but I'd be slightly worried about the, the rumours that Tottenham also have secured an option to buy him that can't be uh, true. for the same fee um i don't even know if that's possible but i assume it is uh but that would worry me a little bit uh, on the can't, subject can, of, i can say you can't do that on football manager so <laughs> <laughs> on the subject of where he'll play i do agree that he can play alongside uh buendia i think the the only issue is there are they a little bit samey do they then miss that sort of point of difference in attack that someone like Leon Bailey, who's already at risk of being forgotten about, uh, offers. Does that Never mean bloody that, fit, Martin? You I know, I know. But does that mean that I don't think it will happen? But might Villa be better suited to a different formation when everyone is fit? Um, might Coutinho play behind Watkins with Bailey on the left and Wendy on the right? But then you need that midfielder. Obviously, Villa linked to Basuma. Um, so, yeah, it's a difficult one. But I think what you have with elite-level clubs, and I'm, this before I start, this is not saying Villa are an elite-level club, but this that's where they want to be, is that they don't really worry about signing players that will then mean leaving out other big-name players. Yeah. It's not, it's not a concern, uh, whereas it might be for clubs that have sort of lower ambitions. Um, and you almost plan for injuries, especially in this day and age. You, you sort of think that at least one of those players is probably going to be injured at any given time so yeah I think the signing of Dino is another example of that uh, Matt Target is a perfectly good left back I think if you, you'd expect Dino to um, be the first choice but in that case Matt Target what well, he's, he's got to be one of the best sub left backs in the Premier League and that's what Villa are looking to build they're looking to build yeah, you need not just options in each position but very very strong options in each position and that's I think the clearest intent that they've been business really yeah let's move away from the Aston Villa Galacticos and look at Manchester United Jonathan Marcus Rashford I feel a bit sorry for him because he's a shadow of his former self really but also you know he's getting criticism there's a lot of players playing beneath their ability at Manchester United he's not just him yeah I mean he's definitely a player I mean there's a problem he's become one of those players he's he's difficult to discuss because there's clearly a constituency of people who were waiting for him to have a loss of form so they could Mm -hmm. attack him at the same time, there's a lot of people who, because they're aware of that, will treat any criticism of him as being motivated by uh, frustration at his um, 
uh, off pitch activities. Yeah. Uh, Can't be a good person. Can't be having that, can we? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, now I don't think there's any reason to think that he, you know, his charitable work is distracting him. I think it's perfectly possible to do both. There's definitely a time when he, he, you know, he was doing that and was playing perfectly well. He's not playing well. I, it's fine to say that. Um, but then a lot of players at United aren't playing well. Uh, and I guess it's difficult for him because he's not getting a regular game. He's not. His his opportunities to prove himself to play himself back in the form are, are very limited because they've got so many forwards because that squad's so so unbalanced. Um, you know, was he ever was he ever an A plus player? Probably not. He was probably always an A minus player who you thought might develop. But um, I don't think he's, for instance, as natural a finisher as, as Greenwood. Um, I don't think he's got the you know, the close technical ability of of um, I'm trying to think of somebody in United School of Paul Pogba, so um, but you know, he 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 had a, a combination of attributes and an ability to get in the right positions that meant he scored a lot of goals and was dangerous. And that seems to have left him. And I think the worry is you look at players like uh, Anthony Martial, who's gone through a similar process at United of looking good and then slowly fading and odd little flashes of his talent. And suddenly now you just think, well, what's he doing? I don't understand the point of him. The thing with Martial, and I think this is relevant to Rashford as well, is that they look miserable. That's that's one of the main things. Like it, Rashford looks miserable now. You know, he was never a really sort of cheery, smiley bloke on the pitch, but it, it does look like something's up. And in the commentary, they said it looked like he's playing, playing within himself and has been for a while. I think one of the reasons that players look like they're playing within themselves is off often injury. And I, th- I feel like he was rushed back from injury by Solskjaer, who, who's done that with multiple players. He did it with, with Maguire and Varane. He didn't have a pre-season at all. The only action he had at the Euros was missing a penalty. So the confidence that that uh, causes, or the loss of confidence, I should say. So I feel like he's been rushed back and he looks like a player who's not committing to what he does. And sometimes you do that when you're you're worried. He might not even be injured, but he might be worried about an injury. Like he's had shoulders, ankle injuries, and I feel like like he's he's looking like he's yeah. The, the commitment looks like it's not there, but sometimes that's not necessarily because you, you don't want it to be, but you you feel like you're not a hundred percent. But that can to play also be it. that can also be confidence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, I feel if, like if you're circle, overthinking things, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, rather than doing things instinctively. Uh, you know, you're trying to go through the mechanics of, of, of how you do everything. You, you know, and I guess when when the system is being changed around you, that makes it even harder because yeah, it, I, it, 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 it then can't be instinctive because you have to learn a new way of playing. So, I, yeah, I also think he's caught between positions almost. Uh, well, he's clearly in sort of an inside forward, but he's not a winger. He's not a good dribbler with the ball. He's good at not. He's got pace and he can knock the ball past players and run past players. But when he's actually dribbling with the ball he's never been a good dribbler and I think that's always been the case but it's becoming exposed now because he's older people expected him to have developed more than he has uh there's the the sort of loss of protection of being the sort of youngster the 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 academy graduate come good and people expect more from him and and fair enough I think that's completely right but what I would say about how he's come back is he looks lightweight now he looks he was completely bullied against Villa like absolutely bullied every every challenge he lost and that was never really the case previously. He never looked that way. So again, could be confidence, but I, ju- I just feel like he's been rushed back as well. I feel, I feel like that's part of it personally. 
They have got their new signing, VAR, though, who was excellent for them in the FA Cup, so he might be able to make no, a defensive. Hardly a new signing. He's been... No, no, been, there. <laughs> been, there, been there a while. Yeah. Been a better noir for Villa for several years. Wish I'd not brought it, wish I'd not brought it up because I'm bubbling inside, really, really angry Just about it. I'm, up, I'm upset. That, shut up, Martin. I'm upset there's not a combined 11 as well. I was really interested to see a combined 11. Villa Sorry. Manchester United because Manchester United are just nowhere near the level. Just Villa, isn't it? Should just be. Villa. I didn't feel like it was worth it. It's just mm. as we said earlier, well, as well as I said, the Villa Galacticos, Martin. Sure <laughs> we, we, we should have done it. Let's do our predictions then. I'll, I'll start. Why not? Two one to Villa because I can't go because I'm on a bloody stag do and I haven't seen Villa beat Manchester United since 1995. I haven't missed a home game, so Villa are going to win. I hope the stag's so. watching. You're you're buzzing about going on his stag do. He doesn't really like football, so I probably won't even get to watch the game. Nah, but... won't like won't really like you after this. Either, he won't watch this. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, who scored? We've got two one as well. Two to one Villa. Villa. Yeah, Come on the Villa. Go on, Jonathan. Make it happen. A hat trick. Yeah, full out. Yeah. Have you? Yeah, here we go. The Mark Bosnich derby. Well, <laughs> happy birthday to Mark Bosnich as well. Someone Jonathan and myself have both worked with. It's his birthday. Today. Well, I, I think um, you might remember what year this was, but uh, it was a it was at Roker, I think, not the Stadium of Lights. It must have been ninety five ish. Villa beat Sunderland in the League Cup four one. Ninety three. Ninety three as early as that. Yeah. Yeah. Bosnich, I mean, Sunderland absolutely battered Villa that day. I, we got beat four one, but we absolutely it's the best I've ever seen Sunderland play. And Bosnich was ludicrous. Yeah, great goalkeeper. Unbelievable goalkeeper. My favourite goalkeeper. I, 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 I did some work on Australian radio with him a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned it off air and see he was sort of purring about it. He, he, I think he regards that as being by, by far his greatest evening. He's got a funny laugh when you doing his laugh. His laugh yeah, laugh. yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. got a great laugh. Yeah, good times. He's also got him Willow, which is a bit odd. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that. That. Come that. on, that. Willow. Willow. Right, thanks for telling us that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent Bob, stuff. Uh, Bob Bob Wilson was always nicknamed Willow. It's not uh, that bad, is it? It's worse nicknames. No, I, I, I'm not objecting oh. to it. It's just a bit weird. Like, I, know, I guess it's an Australian thing, isn't it? Just sticking the O on the end of the, the first syllable. But yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it he is. was just saying it like we we're great mates, and like you know, we've had a couple of Twitter like and done a bit, bit of I'm, TV I'm with that. podcast work. Mm. No, well, I like the when, whenever maybe maybe maybe, cool. maybe I can just be the name that Villa people use for me. Yeah, it's really. better than the name most other people use for me now, to be fair. He just calls me Dan, which is a little <laughs> bit disappointing. Danna. He always, Bards. Like, Bards Bards like it. he always puts he always puts a kiss at the end of text messages, which I quite oh, like. Look at I you. think he does I assume he does it to everyone. Messages. Wow. Uh, uh, WhatsApp. I, sh- I assume he does it. To, I'm assuming he does it to everyone, but it's a little bit of isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to Manchester City v Chelsea, the Sean Wright Phillips derby. Jonathan, everyone harps on about Manchester City. They need a striker, but obviously they don't because they're going to win the Premier League at Cancer. Who's harping on about that? <laughs> you always hear it. You hear it everywhere. Oh, imagine if they had a striker. Mm, they need a number nine. It's everywhere. But would, would he actually improve them? I mean, if Haaland's available in the summer, if they signed him, he is amazing. I mean, look, the, fact, the, the fact they the they the they, the they clearly wanted they clearly wanted Kane. So yeah, there was a sense that they they did want a forward. I, I just sort of think that the way they play, so, so you know, I think if you play without a striker, your upper ceiling is incredibly high, but it's a very risky way of playing. And City are so good that we don't see that risk very often, but every now and again, very occasionally. So I think the game away against PSG would be the, 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 the one you'd, that stands out. Maybe the game against Tottenham first overseas, maybe that draw against Southampton, where, but I think particularly in Paris, 
City were the better side. I know they got beat 2-0. They were a better side. They won the XG that night quite comfortably. But to be honest, once they'd gone behind, it was very hard to see how they were going to get back in the game. And the reason for that was the way PSG played, with a back four, three Satchers in front, then a big gap to the front three. City had loads of ball just inside the PSG half. They had loads of great crossing opportunities. But crossing the ball into a crowded box for Phil Foden or Raheem Sterling... It's not going to work. So if he had a centre-forward, then in those circumstances, yeah, it gives him an extra option. But I, I think the point of them buying a centre-forward would be almost as emergency cover, would be mm. to give them a plan B. If, we're, if, if for some reason the passing isn't as slick as it can be, if the opposition's sitting deep in a way we're, we're not able to, to, to break them down to get through them, then there is an option we can cross to. And that means the defence can't sit quite as deep because you don't want people heading the ball sort of 10, 12 yards from goal. They've got to push out slightly, then the space in behind them. And then maybe a Mares or a Sterling or a Foden or, or whoever can 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 break through. Um but it, it it's it, you know it's it's um it's 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 almost like a safety net to have one. And if you're gonna get a centre forward who is good enough for them to be worth signing, is he gonna be happy in that role? Mm. I'd suggest probably not. and so maybe you say right okay he'll be on the bench for these big games and he can rack up 40 goals a season battering Burnley or whoever I'd only say Burnley because City always beat him final at home Um, was it 4-0 this season anyway whatever and Norwich but again is Haaland going to be happy doing that of course he's not would Kane be happy doing that no so I think signing a centre forward overcomplicates things and I just think football's moved on. I just don't think centre-forwards are essential anymore. Um, for all that, the, the kind of, it's an easy thing to write about on the odd occasions when City's mechanics don't quite click. Not for a journo like you, though, Willa. You don't need to do that like that. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. Mason Mount, Martin, always yeah. gets raved about. He's a bit, bit marmite in, in, in some quarters. I think he's an excellent player. I'm, I'm asking this question. I think I know the answer. Would he start for Manchester City? Quite a lot. Uh, obviously, City rotate their squad loads, but I feel like he'd be among their sort of highest uh, players for starts. Where would he uh, play? Opinion. Just because, uh, well, I feel like he's one of those players that can play in the midfield three or could play in the front three and looks maybe not equally comfortable at both, but as close to. Whereas players like Foden and Grealish, there's talk, oh, they could play as an eight, but you'd worry about it a little bit. Um and I really think Grealish really would smash it as an eight for Sita. Honestly, I don't, I don't, don't you? I don't. No, no. I really do. But yeah, and and De Bruyne the other way around, great in a three. So any and, and he can play in a front three and and has led the line well in the past, but definitely better in in the midfield. The one player that they have that does both brilliantly is Bernardo Silva, and I think that's the sort of not the same type of player, but that's the sort of player Mount is, and that he's he's that adaptable. Um, that he would become a very, very important player. Uh, and his, his sort of impact in the final third has in, increased really healthily this season. He's had a direct hand in 12 goals in only 14 league starts. And he's averaging more shots than Lukaku, Havertz, Werner. He's averaging eight, uh, 1.8 shots from inside the box per 90, which is up from 1.1 in each of the last two seasons. And we're, so we're starting to see that sort of Lampard-esque ability to to break into the box and pick up positions, which he was always compared to, perhaps sort of 
unfairly early in his career but but yeah that is that is sort of coming to the fore a bit now last season 56 percent of his shots came from outside the box this season that's dropped to 36 percent. so just getting further up the pitch uh and affecting the game um in the final third i could see you're smirking at Johnson's <laughs> yawn at my <laughs> It was such a strange yawn. That was why I was like, I was trying not to do it, but he was obviously he was going to yawn. He he didn't didn't wanna, yeah, he didn't want to hurt my feelings. Yeah. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I need I need to shout out the guy the guy that clicked up the amount of times Josh looked out oh, the window in the last podcast because that was unbelievable. If you could clip yeah. up the amount of times Jonathan yawns when Martin, <laughs> talks, you get a, a com- I just tired a lot. Let's look for the times when I'm speaking. I think. Yeah, oh, fantastic. So, yeah, that clip up of Josh looking out the window. I looked at it about. 300 times, I reckon, over that weekend. Yeah. I found it so, yeah. so fun. Round of applause for that. Brilliant. I can't even remember what you've just said now. Mason <laughs> <laughs> Mount good? is good. Was it a good point? Yeah, well done. Well done. Excellent. Yeah, completely agree with you, mate. Excellent. Cheers, one, man. Very, very, very valid. Um, if Chelsea win, Jonathan, would they keep the title race alive? Man City have had a bit of a problem against Chelsea, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they have. I've been telling the last season it was the three wins in a row for, for Chelsea. But then the game at Stamford Bridge early in the season, City were a much better team, only won it 1-0. But, um, you know, it was much more comfortable than that. But, yeah, you know, the, 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 the Champions League final league game and the, the FA Cup game, um, yeah, Chelsea were you know, deserved to win. So, it, it, I mean, would it keep it alive? I mean, if they lose, it certainly ends it. Um, because the gap with them would be up to 13 points. If 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 Chelsea win, then I guess it's the gap's out to seven, and then yeah maybe maybe Liverpool can beat City as well, and the gap's out to four, and then you'd say well yeah okay the title race is still open, but um, I think you know, I, th- I think even with a draw City uh, I think I think even if they lose, but yeah a, a draw is a good result for City in terms of yeah keeping the mm. keeping the margin. I know they got a clean sheet last night in the League Cup, but. I'm- they can't seem to keep a clean sheet in the league at the moment, Chelsea. They keep giving away silly, silly goals, which is which is costing them. How do you see this going, Jonathan? What's your prediction? Uh, 2-0 City. 2-0 City. I've gone for 3-1 to City. Martin, who scored? 2-1 to City. 2-1 to City. Full house there for Manchester City, just like the Aston Galacticos. We can go now to the just a minute section. And I'll tell you what, I had a brief look at this before we came on and I was struggling for derbies. So Bright, I don't like picking players that are already there. Brian V Palace is a, is a banker, the Glen Murray derby. Off you go, Jonathan. It's getting me stopwatch because I still take the rules seriously. I think the interesting about this game is, is the XG. That, that we sort of think of Brighton as being a team who uh, underperform against XG, and certainly that was the case last season because of a lack of a striker. Uh, and, and I think maybe that's just changed the last uh, two or three weeks, the fact that they've got this, or two or three games, like they've got seven points in the last three games, and that's sort of reset things. So Brighton actually aren't far off their XG. They're, they're overperforming it by 1.09 points. Palace, uh, 8.05 off. Um, their XG has some sixth in the table, which seems incredible. Um, they... I, I think the problem is defensive rather than going forward. Uh, they have started... Uh, Orton Edwards started scoring again, which is good for them. Scored in his last two games. The Palace have lost five of the last seven. I think the absence of MacArthur is a problem. There. He's still a doubt. Zaha Kiate, are you out? Brighton at Basuma, who's a big loss, but also Dunk. He was 1-1 at Ellis Park, but I think Brighton probably just have enough. So I'm going to say 1-0 to them. No, wait, where am I? Where am I? 1-0, no, sorry. 1-0. 1-0, what have I done? I've done two one away win to Crystal Palace. Yeah, all different. I mean, Big if game, just 
it just fits in with the predictions at the start of the season, doesn't it? When I said that Brighton were going to get relegated, which was one of the worst shouts that there's ever been. So in my in my predictions leg, I think Brighton are probably bottom because I just predict them to lose every single game. It's them or Arsenal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Martin, you've got there, and this kind of works now because he's going to Newcastle. The Chris Wood derby, I believe he used to play for Leicester. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think he played for Leicester. He did. One he point. Did. Excellent. Yeah. You get Burnley Leicester for you. Chris Wood has gone to Newcastle for what it's worth. That's happened. Yeah. Burnley approached the game with just three goals in the last six matches and then now without Chris Wood following his move to Newcastle. To suggest Sean Dyche will be unhappy is an understatement. He'll be comfort-eating worms again now that's gone through. He's without Ashley Barnes through injury, while Maxwell Cornet is at the African Cup of Nations. So we could see a front two of Jay Rodriguez and Aaron Lennon, with Vidra, one of a handful of players that includes the club's only two left-backs and White McNeil that have been out with COVID of late. Could fill the rest of the minute with a list of Leicester absentees, so I will. Evans, Vardy, Pereira, Fafana, Ianacho, Ndidi, Amati, Mendy, Sumare, Thomas, Justin and Bertrand are out, while Castagna, Soyunju, Dewsbury Hall and Daka are doubts, but may be forced to start. That's if the game goes ahead at all, of course. Uh, the Foxes' record at Turf Moor is poor, but their strength and depth is greater than that of Burnley, who's... Tough run of luck could well continue. Both teams have scored in the last six meetings. We're backing that to continue. 2-1 Leicester. 2-1 to Leicester. I've gone for 1-0 to Burnley, which I'm not sure why I've done that. What was I thinking, Jonathan? 2-1 <laughs> to Leicester. 2-1 to Leicester. Oh, Dan. I, I did see the prediction. There. Well, I've got your predictions ahead of it. And Dan, yours are different this week. So this could be a big could be a big week because Jonathan and who scored need to make up some ground for it. No. I mean, I've got no idea what's going on with the league table and when we last did predictions or anything. So I've uh, you stretched it again. You stretched the lead again. You got two correct scores again. Like, you're the correct score king. I've got to say it. Like, I think, I think you're I've the got worst. Villa right a few times recently. Bang on. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. You got Liverpool, Excellent. Chelsea, two all last uh, last time out. Excellent. That's good to know. So I can afford to mess around a little bit with it <laughs> and predict Burnley to win one nil. That's fine. It doesn't really matter, does it? Because I'm ahead at the moment. I've got nothing for Newcastle Watford derby wise. Absolutely. Uh, George Riley. Yeah. Danny Rose. Danny Rose, yes. Is he, is he left Watford yet? He's supposed to be going. Moussa Sissoko. Oh, there's some blatants. I don't yeah. like picking the ones that are still there. That's, that's I mean, problem. you say that every time and they're usually ones that are so still there. I don't there. like that's doing good. it. I don't I never <laughs> do it. <laughs> Newcastle Watford for you, Jonathan. Um, I mean, this is the start of a massive week for Watford. Uh, three big games. You've got Burnley and Norwich coming up as well. So... I'm I'm almost slightly surprised that Ranieri's still there for this. I, I wonder if they might make a change before then because Watford have lost seven in a row in all competitions. They'd previously never gone six defeats in a row under the Potsos. In fact, no club, I think, has gone six defeats in a row under the Potsos without changing manager. Um, they're a little bit unlucky against Tottenham, defended pretty well. Uh, second half showed a little bit of um, initiative on the break. Uh, before conceding that late goal, the, the game was disrupted. Then there was a medical emergency in the crowd, and, and and yeah, it's obviously not the not the main issue, but it did seem to 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 give Spurs renewed vigour. Loads of injuries both sides. Chris Wood at, at Newcastle, I guess, could make his debut. Watford without one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players plus Emmanuel Dennis are doubt. So I think comfortable Newcastle win two nil. We've gone for two two. Two, I'm not two. sure about that, but we have gone for two two. There we go. I've gone for bowl fest three two to Newcastle. If ever there was going to be a Premier League game with goals in it this weekend, it's that one because neither team can defend to save their lives. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm going to go with that three two to Newcastle. Martin Norwich against Everton. Uh, help me. <laughs> it's definitely, they definitely won. 
had someone oh. swirling around. Well, if you, have a, if you have a manager, Mike Walker. Mike Walker, nice. I need to Daniel Amakachi, but there's no way he played for Norwich. Absolutely Norwich, no chance. Yeah. If this shows at least that, least... you know, I don't I don't plan ahead. I, I do this off the cuff normally. Maybe I, I don't think you plan anything ahead, do you? I have to plan ahead next week. I'm struggling. I feel like I reckon you'll get... this is blatant. I reckon you you'll talk. get one while I'm talking. I feel you like there's loads for something. Someone. Yeah. All right. Go. After a mini resurgence, three, isn't it? Oh come on, yeah. Sorry, why aren't you having that? Because <laughs> he's for Everton now, and I don't like it. All right, okay. After a mini resurgence in November, Norwich looked lifeless once more, and we're extremely fortunate to knock Charlton out of the FA Cup last weekend. To add injury to even more injury, they're now set to be without Scotland's finest, Billy Gilmore, but have welcomed back compatriot Grant Hantley. There's been very little by way of transfer rumours for the Canaries, which suggests they may have accepted their fate. If Dean Smith's side can't exploit the slump at Everton, they've got no hope. Though the Toffees should have Dominic Calvert-Lewin back available. They look to have tied up the signing of Anwar Ghazi from Villa, but losing Dean in, in the opposite direction hasn't gone down well with, uh, with Everton fans. Vitaly Mikolenko made a solid debut in extra time win at Hull, but has big boots to fill unless you're Jonathan and thinks Luca Dean is terrible. The last five matches between the sides have all ended in a win-to-nil scoreline, and so too have Norwich's last six in the league following defeat to West Ham in midweek. They've been on the wrong end of all six scorelines, and we're backing that to become seven with a 1-0 Everton win. I've gone for 1-1. One, one. Jonathan? 2-0 um, to Everton. 2-0 to Everton. I've got nothing for players. Absolutely nothing. So it would have to be the Ben Godfrey Diver. There's nothing else it can be. And we're at Wolves Southampton for Jonathan now. And again, I've got absolutely nothing. So, Jonathan, you have a, you, <laughs> you do your poor. minute and I'll have a think. This is poor, Dan. I know it is. Um, rubbish fixtures this week for derbies. So, I'm a funny side. I don't really understand what's going on with them. But every time you think they've got it together, they start losing games. Every time you think that they look like they might be in a bit of bother, they start winning games. Recent form has been great. It's 10 points in the last four games. Starting to score goals. Four against Brentford. Three against West Ham. Two against Palace. Uh, even the other game in that run against Tottenham ended up being a great result because they, they held on with 10 men for so long. Um, but Wolves also in very good form. Um, none of the last eight league games had more than a single goal in it. They defended very well. Whether they're able to do that with Roman Sice off at the Cup of Nations, I don't know. They've definitely been hit more uh, by absentees with Huang out, Sice, Bully, Johnny, Mosquera, Neto. Whereas Salmon running out with Gineppo and Livermento, but Livermento's obviously been great this season. Um, even Wolves, last last eight games, three wins, three draws, their two defeats were narrow defeats to Liverpool and City. They've been playing well. So I think they probably will still just have enough against the improvements that happened. I'm going to say 1 0 Wolves. We've gone from Cock being out everywhere now to Wang out in church, which, <laughs> which really amused me. It didn't, didn't amuse Jonathan. So what, sorry? So Wang being out instead of Cock being out everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Author and journalist Jonathan Wilson is on this podcast every single week. What's your prediction, Martin? It's a 14-year-old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Willow. Um, <laughs> uh, we've gone for one all. Oh, I can't even read anymore. I've gone for two nil. <laughs> I've gone for two nil to Southampton in one of my wild predictions. Yeah, yours are wild. I did you say. know why? Because I do another podcast and we got given the power of making a £100 charity bet. 
Right. And mine was Southampton to get relegated, and since then they've won every game. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I've, I've completely revitalised this season, Southampton. Honestly, yeah. yes, that hundred pounds. Sorry, just <laughs> the charity. You're not getting not getting anything from my leg at all. Uh, where are we? West Ham v Leeds, Martin. I haven't got anyone again. Oh, this is a shambles. Come on. Uh, a repeat of last week's FA Cup clash. West Ham will be hoping for the same outcome, but Leeds will feel aggrieved by the nature of West Ham's crucial opener and may use that as motivation. Jared Bowen came within an inch of touching the ball, but was somehow deemed not to be interfering with play. Uh, he's then scored late on and has scored twice in midweek, having an excellent English, uh, season. Leeds are still beset by injuries. Junior Firpo suffering an apparent concussion in that clash last weekend, so he could miss out as a result. Bamford and Rodrigo are both thought to be nearing a return, but unlikely to feature, with Tyler Roberts and Joe Gelhart both now sidelined. Marcelo Bielsa may field Dan James through the middle. Elsewhere, the only centre-back that's been fit to play for most of the season, Diego Llorente, is now suspended. Leeds can't catch a break and have lost each of their last four meetings with West Ham since returning to the top flight. Their only win away from home this season came at Norwich. And after a slight wobble, the Hammers appear to be back on track. So we're going for 3-1 home win, West Ham. I have gone for 3-1 to West Ham as well. And also it's the Rob Green derby. If in doubt, think of Rob Green and he'll play for <laughs> someone. So yeah, the Rob Green derby. Jonathan, have you gone 3-1 as well? 2-1 uh, West Ham via Ferdinand. Real Ferdinand. Oh, so obvious. obvious. That's so. a disgrace, Daniel. Come on, get yourself together. Jonathan, you finish with Liverpool v Brentford. The Sergi Canos derby is all I have for this. That's yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I think that's all right, isn't it? Brentford, another one of those teams where... I'm not quite sure what to make of them. They, they just seem to be slightly running out of road, and then they keep on pulling out results, as they did against Villa. Um, I mean, getting smashed off Southampton is not, not a great look. Their away form isn't good. Um, they haven't won any of their last... Oh, so they've gone five five in a row without a win away, and that win was a slightly freakish game at uh, West Ham. Uh, Liverpool haven't won any of their last three, uh, but they have won their last four at home. Um, and generally, a, apart from that, that Brighton draw, their home form has been excellent. Lots of absentees for both teams. Um, Phillips, Thiago, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Origi, Elliot, Salah, Mane for Liverpool. Um, I guess the big absence for Brentford is still Raya, because you know, I'm not impressed by, by their goalkeeping at the moment, but another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players out. 3-3 three, three it was uh, earlier in the season. I'm going to say 2 nil Liverpool this time. Exactly the same for me. 2 0 to Liverpool. Martin, who scored? Uh, let me just check. I believe 3 1 Liverpool. Yeah, 3 1. 3 1 to Liverpool. We'll finish then with our Saturday 3 pm treble in association with Bet Victor. Martin, what is your leg or who scores leg? Uh, we're going for just Leicester to win, straightforward bet. Leicester to win over evens to win at Burnley. And despite their injury concerns, Burnley have only picked up one point from the last four in the league. The three defeats in that time have come against underperforming teams as well in Newcastle, United and Leeds. Leicester have defied the odds against them recently, uh, against them in terms of the injury department at least, to win back-to-back games. Should have too much quality in attack, in my opinion. So, yeah, Leicester to win. I wasn't sure we needed another just a minute section on that game, Martin. But you <laughs> I, just try, I try and give reasoning that it's beyond okay. like, oh, I like goals. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so unfair. So unfair. You agreed with what I said about my pick before we came on the podcast. Yeah, I've gone for over 2.5 goals, Newcastle v Watford. As I said, neither team can defend. That's that's football knowledge. That's nothing to do with just I like goals. Neither team can defend. That's a fact. So we've all based it. I agree. Fact. I agree. 
Jonathan, oh, you're great now. Jonathan? Uh, <laughs> Wolves to beat Southampton and under two and a half goals in the game. Oh, and what does that all come out as, Martin? Uh, so it was uh, Bet Victor were all, already an industry leading price for that treble at 18 to one or just under 18 to one. So they've boosted it, given it a nudge to 20 to one. So far and away, the best price you'll find uh, for that treble. This yeah. weekend, I say it most weeks. That feels like a banker, although I say that a banker at 20 to 1. I've predicted pretty, pretty Leicester to lose to Burnley. That game, what happens if that game's not on? The treble goes in the bin. You've took a risk there, just gets voided for what it's worth. So there's, there's no, no risk fun. in that sense. That's no fun. <laughs> I don't think it get... will. I don't think it will get like Leicester's problems are all injury or AFCON related. They played in the cup, so I think they'll be fine. Well, they had to play in the cup. Um. Burnley, maybe, but I think they should have players back. There he is again. Martin's talking. <laughs> Guess who's we talking? Should, we should probably go before Jonathan falls asleep. So thank you ever so much for tuning in. I've really enjoyed today. I've had a good laugh, and that is always the main concern when doing a podcast. Uh, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast with your post notifications on, if you could do that, please, on YouTube, that would really help us. Let's get these subscriber numbers up. Come on, we deserve so much more. We're putting on a show every week. Let's get, let's get, let's get the subscriber numbers up. And as ever, enjoy your weekend, enjoy all the football, and please stay safe. Perfect. I don't think I've ever laughed so much doing a podcast in my entire life. It's just great banter. Great. Oh, unbelievable banter.